All right, guys, welcome back to the show. This is your host, Hunter McWaters. Good to be with you guys again. Um, this week, I get a chance to sit down with Brandon Waddell. So Brandon is a guy that actually met through, and you hear us talk about it later in the episode, um, Heather Kelly's Founder Speaker Series, which I think she's going to do a Founder Speaker Series 2.0 in the near future, so be on the lookout for that. Um, but that was a really great um, event. I met a lot of people through that. And um, some good things have come through that. So anyway, um, Brandon is um, the brain, and I guess, like I said, an episode kind of the brawn as well behind Mountain Archery Fest. Um, so if you've ever been to one of his events or you've been to Attack or something similar, it's basically um, a huge uh, 3D archery shoot um, that usually takes place, uh, well, it takes place in the summer, um, various places across the West. He's working on bringing it out to the East Coast as well, but they're normally at um, ski resort type locations. So they're in the mountains and they set up all these really cool just courses with 3D targets and we get into all that. Um, Mountain Archery Fest is really family oriented and geared towards that that scene. And there's kind of, um, you know, what's the word? Um, there's classifications for all different types of archery uh, and skill levels. So check out Mountain Archery Fest and sign up for one of their events this summer and uh, really hone your skills for, for bow season. Um, I do want to say there are a couple of, um, you know, quote unquote bad words on this one. <laughs> Brandon's a great guy, but um, I think I edited most of them out, but a few of them might have snuck in. So if you're listening with younger folks, just be aware, nothing major, but there might be a few uh, few little language things in there, but um, it's pretty minor. But anyway, I just want to give you a heads up. Also, um, you know, something that I've been open about since the beginning of this project is that, um, you know, I come from a history of addiction. Uh, that's something I struggled with for a long time. Um, you know, I've been clean for a number of years now, but um, that's part of my story. And, um, you know, Brandon as well had um, some rough times in his life. I'll say it that way. We get into that and get into his story. And he's actually done some time. Um, and you know, lived a pretty wild life in his, in his former life, but now he's a, he's a family man, um, a businessman and a really, a really cool guy. So we do talk about recovery and I just wanted to take this opportunity to throw it out there. You know, if you or someone that you know is, is struggling in silence, or like I said, if you're, if you're holding on to that secret and, and you need help, um, you know, it's really the first thing you got to do is you got to is you got to reach out and ask for help. I mean, a lot of times people struggle with addiction. Um, you know, you get to a point where you can't really do it on your own. You sort of need some help. So I just want to take an opportunity. If there's anyone out there listening right now that needs help or someone you love needs help, um, please, please don't be afraid to reach out to me. You know, you can send me an email, hunter at thehuntersquest.com or shoot me a message on Instagram. I'm not like a recovery specialist or professional, but I have walked through it before and I can, you know, hopefully try to help you get some professional help if you need or if you need advice about a family member. Don't struggle in silence. Um, you know, don't be ashamed um, to reach out. So I just wanted to offer that, that um, and there's all kinds of good resources online and stuff like that too. But, you know, if you're listening to this right now and you just need someone to talk to, I'm here for you. So um, don't be afraid to reach out. Um, and the verse that I got for this episode that I thought just kind of fit really well is First uh, Peter 5, 8. Be alert and of sober mind. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around you like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Resist him, standing firm in faith, because you know that the family of believers throughout the world is undergoing the same kind of sufferings. So anyway, it's just talking about, um, you know, as I said before, living ready. And part of living ready is being of sound mind and sober judgment. And um, and so, you know, if you're if you're struggling with addiction, that's, you know, <laughs> that's not living in a sober mind. So, um, again, reach out to me if you need um, and check out Mountain Archery Fest. If you want to get out, have some fun in the mountain, do some shooting this summer in a family friendly environment and test your archery skills. And so anyway, uh, 
without anything else, let's just jump into this episode. And remember, if you like what's going on here, go ahead and hit the subscribe button, head over to YouTube, subscribe there. Still got my Kodiak film, uh, which is on the Gritty YouTube channel as well as my own YouTube channel. So I'd love it if you could subscribe. Just search my name, Hunter McWaters. Um, and also, you know, it's really helpful if you can leave me a rating and a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you're listening. So thanks for your support, guys. And let's jump into this episode with Brandon Waddell. So, yeah, I'm here today with my guest, Brandon Waddell. How you doing, brother? I'm doing good, man. How are you? Good, man. Can't complain. Getting ready for bear season. Just, uh, and working. You? Uh, getting, I'm, I'm not ready for turkey at all. Um, haven't even started. Just been <laughs> crazy, to be honest. I just got home from a whirlwind trip a couple days ago, so. Oh, yeah, where were you at? Uh, I went... All the way to Pennsylvania and toured a few sites out there and then came back and uh, then I was in Denver for a whole week. I visited a couple locations up in the mountains and I had a, a Colorado Bow Hunters Association banquet and then mm. the International Sportsman's Expo show. So oh, okay. whirlwind of go for the last uh, 16 days. So. Yeah, cool. So um, so I, I first ran into you, we didn't actually meet, but I did that, uh, founder speaker series with Heather and right. heard you speak and, um, and felt like that we could talk about some stuff for a while and then got a chance to finally meet you out at the Western hunting expo. And, um, for those listening, um, Brandon is the, I guess maybe you'd say the brains or the brawn, maybe both behind mountain archery fest. And so, uh, so yeah, man. So what's, what's kind of going on in your world right now? Are you kind of in the thick of getting that planned and scheduled and all that? Or what's going on with you? Well, so, you know, we got our Western stuff all launched, um, for this year, you know, we're in a, an expansion mode in mm -hmm. the next few years. So I've been gallivanting around the country trying to find some new spots and, um, you yeah. know, and, uh, and so now that I'm back from doing a lot of that, um, doing some networking, doing some of those things. Now I got to kind of get it all put into play. I got about eight weeks before we leave, uh, me, myself, my crew, everybody to go out to our first event oh, cool. more day out in Utah. And so in the next eight weeks, I hope to be able to have our 23 and 23, 24 schedule out, which would include, are some of our new expansions across the U.S. So um, how that goes, I keep looking at the calendar because like, it's kind of hovering over my head over here, and I'm thinking about all this as we're talking about it. But we're in crunch time, big time, um, Hunter. We're you know we're getting everything ready to go, all our courses set, everything designed, foam fixed, um, you know everything for the mountain, you know, all my different crews that do all the different stuff are all, you know, really getting, you know, every, it's crunch time. The last eight weeks, it goes by really fast. And so yeah. a lot of organization there for everybody to, you know, all this stuff that we kind of have in the cloud, all everything we're working on has to kind of come into reality and it has to be presented and, and, um, and be able to work. And so a lot of stuff we do all the time, you know, this isn't something that we just do in the summer. Um, you know, this takes dedication year round to, mm -hmm. to grow what, you know, what we're, what we're about and what we're building. So, um, you know, that's kind of what's up with me right now. I mean, that's kind of it in a nutshell. I mean, I could get really specific, but you know, we're, you know, all things are coming into alignment in the next eight weeks. Um, all the things we've been working on for eight months Yeah. and, and it's all, it's pretty exciting, man. I'm, I'm pretty stoked to be honest. Uh, for sure. I, you know, I, I'm excited to go out and have a good year, um, with maybe more of this country back to normal. And, yes. you know, it's just a little better feel. I hope we'll see. Um, yeah. that's the, that's the mission. Cool, man. Um, I might, it, hopefully it'll clear up, but I feel like the internet's having a little issue. If it stays bad, I may have you switch off your video to see if that'll help. But, um, 
Um, so you mentioned you were just in Pennsylvania and, um, so I haven't been able to make it to a mountain, mountain archery fest, but I went to my first tack last year cause I'm over here on the East coast and they had one in Pennsylvania. Are you guys thinking about, uh, doing one this year in the, on the East coast? Not this year. No, we set our five for the year and we're going to stick to that. Um, you know, current climate, uh, fuel, just different things, you know, we weren't sure if this was a good year to go ahead and drop the hammer and expand. You know, we yeah. had to kind of that a little bit and kind of reevaluate that at some. And so we decided to pick up a couple new venues in the West, a couple things we've been working on and just kind of hunker down out here. You know I mean? Hunker down. I mean, we're going to be in, you know, all over the Rocky mountains of the United States, but, yeah. but we're definitely going to, um, uh, kind of stick to what we've got and what we know and just do a really good job and try to crank out a really good bottom line and make things work. Um, so that way we can, uh, we can make a good go of it next year when it's time to make that jump, but I'm committing to making an expansion. So, nice. you know, Pennsylvania's uh, way up there. So, you know, I mean, with TAC being up in Vermont and also in Pennsylvania, you know, there's room in Maine, there's room in Eastern Pennsylvania. I feel um, there's a lot of shooters there. There's a lot going on up there. Uh, so I hope that, I hope we can get up into Pennsylvania next year. I'll be honest. I'm not sure if it'll be next year. I have a great opportunity up there. Um, a great location and it's well worth deadheading up there for. Um, but we got to fit in the calendar and yeah. that's the hard part. Um, location, 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 calendar, calendar, calendar. Right. I mean, it's yeah. just, that's the, that's the game so Dude, have you looked at western the western part of virginia because there's nothing here right now and it's kind of like right dead smack in the middle of the east coast um yeah. i don't know and there's some good ski resorts too yeah no there's definitely some stuff i've looked at in west virginia and in virginia um there's just some i just haven't got the connection point done yet gotcha I mean, we've got some great locations through texas um arkansas alabama i got a hot spot in florida that i'm checking out um you know i've got a couple pieces in west virginia i'm thinking about then pennsylvania maine um i'm kind of missing a connection point michigan illinois area but i've got an opportunity maybe close right there bottom of wisconsin um so i mean there's you know i've got a What's crazy is I have about seven more locations really that I could contract at any given point. Yeah. Um, we're, we are talking to each other. We are under limited contracts with talking to each other so that I can make sure no one in my arena jumps in there. Um, at some of these places as we work out things for the next few years, but, um, you know, I mean, dude, I, I'm, it, we'll see, we'll see yeah. how it all comes sounds like, sounds like you got a lot of stuff working. It's, I got a lot of things in the air when it comes to where we're going and how we're going to expand, you know, like next year, I don't know if I'm going to do a Southern run, um, you know, add another five events in a Southern run maybe. Mm. And in 24, add the top side to the, you know, add the North side, mm -hmm. basically Midwest all the way over into Maine, Pennsylvania. And then, you know, and have a couple of zigzags that I can build in between because I, you know, there's, there's different ways that we can expand in different ways. We got to be fluid as we do this um, and not oversaturate, but definitely find where we fit in the market, with the size events we want yeah. and the style of events that we want. Um, so um, yeah, that's just kind of where we're at, man. I hope cool. I really do that. We have an opportunity to come to, you know, more of your direction. We we're working on it. So yeah. Well, if so I'll definitely be there, man. Um, but like I said, I've been to one of these big, you know, these big shoots before and, um, man, like it's a, it's a shoot, it's a, a hangout, kind of a festival. Um, it's almost like a mini little trade show too, with how many vendors are there and stuff. So, I mean, I can imagine this is like a logistical, I don't want to say nightmare, but very challenging logistically, not to mention just setting up these, these crazy courses. So like, what is that kind of whole thing like? Well, I'll tell you, man, it, you know, yeah, it is, it is, you can look at it like a nightmare. You can look at it like a lot of things, right? But, you know, <laughs> we just try to see the opportunity to be creative and to, you know, overcome obstacles and to work together. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm very fortunate that within 
but then what we do look like, like you said, you know, I mean, we're, we're, we've got tons of foam, lots of different ranges of courses you can shoot. Um, you know, we, we try to have a little bit for everybody, uh, because we want to be really complete and what makes us the most complete 3d event is really the people, mm -hmm. right? I mean, we, we can be great hosts and we can throw a great party and we can put people in front of you and we can give you seminars and we can do all this stuff for you, but really it's not a complete archery event until you all show up. Right. So, um, you know, it, it, it it's interesting at times because every location is different. So every build out's a little bit different. Nothing's cookie right. cutter. Um, you know, and so when it comes to these courses and laying courses and doing different things like that, you know, it takes a certain eye for, you know, for the country and the topography and, you know, and, um, and, and I'm blessed with some of that. Um, I'm not perfect at it. I've got a great mountain team that works with me. Um, you know, I've taught them everything I know at this point and, you know, they're doing their very best to add what they know. And, you know, we're always inputting volunteers and we're always inputting new, you know, new blood and as we grow. And so that helps us stay, um, focused and helps us stay, you know, for sure. Uh, organized and doing a good job but i can tell you i mean you know there's some mountains man we go to it's like you know you're drilling you're drilling to set rebar you know and then Ooh, some yeah. mountains piece of cake and some mountains aren't every <laughs> every mountain accepts rebar and and accepts us differently right yeah. you know i mean i always used to tell people you know be careful you know challenge a mountain because it'll challenge you back for sure. <laughs> In more ways than one. Mm -hmm. Um, so like, I guess what, what led you to start uh mountain archery fest and kind of like maybe what, what sets it apart? What makes it different from some of the other shoots that are out there? Well, it started due to wanting to do things differently than what's already out there. Right. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, you know, we, I, had an opportunity to be at a few different events in my life. And I just always kind of noticed that some of these bigger events and certain ones, you know, there was no family, there was no women. It was, you know, all extensive long shots. It was all, you know, um, just not what I, what I liked about archery. I mean, yeah. I, did I have fun hanging out with the boys and going and doing it and, and doing Yeah, absolutely. But my heart is in my family. And so, you know, um, I've been to a few, a few shoots and, um, you know, me and a buddy had come back here and thought about purgatory mountain, how, you know, no one was doing a big shoot in Colorado. So, you know, we went to tack and, and was like, you know, maybe you should come down here. And he's like, Oh, we're looking at places, you know, and it just didn't really turn into nothing, you know, so to speak. And so. Anyway, in the interim, I was doing a lot of trained to hunt events and I was oh, doing, cool. got to know Kenton and I, you know, I know Phil Mendoza, alpha bow hunting. And, you know, like I, I just was in this, um, kind of hunter athlete space, if you will. Uh -huh. Right. And I was competitions to, uh, to Pope and young, uh, conventions as well. And, uh, just really trying to get people more outdoors and energized, you know, it kind of was a part of, even when I was podcasting with wilderness attitude, you know, it was just trying to get people outside. Yeah. And so then my name kind of got known a little bit in this space for some reason. Um, not sure why, but um, long story short, a friend, an acquaintance reached out to me and said, Hey, you know, we want to, I want to do this thing. And this is kind of what I want it to look like. And, you know, are you interested in doing a shoot like this and being a mountain manager and laying, doing all this, uh, you know, comp stuff and laying these courses and, running all that and i was like sure i'll entertain the idea and um long story short entertain the idea um this gentleman had some situations he had to take care of at home um with himself and he had to you know do the right thing save his marriage do some things on his own health um and get himself right and in the interim of that i basically assumed what we know as mountain archery fest. Okay. Uh, I had shaken hands. I had about $60,000 worth of targets out in the ocean. You know, I mean, I had, <laughs> uh, it was all in a handshake, 
due to relationships of people who I've met through my podcast. And, you know, my handshake, my word was some means something. Mm-hmm. And so anyway, long, long story short, you know, I, I'm in this situation. I go to my family and I'm like, uh, yeah. Uh, so about this whole mountain archery fest thing, um, my partner's out. Um, we have these targets coming, you know, he's set these dates. We're selling registrations. We're doing all these things. And, and, uh, I think I got to do this. Like I, I feel called to, to finish this deal. And, uh, um, and, and it was always kind of in the back of my heart and my mind anyway, you know, it was, it, it was back there long before, um, you know, long before Gary reached out to me and, uh, and so, man, it was just, it was all or nothing, bro. I mean, it was like, I had to get it on and yeah. I think my family supported me, um, you know, and, and it all worked out. I mean, surely there could have been alternative things right? I could have bowed out. I could got those targets here. I could have made a ripple in the industry. I could have maybe still acquired them and sold them maybe. And, you know, tried to pay my debt or something, but man, I was called when with my family to go make this happen. And, cool. uh, and so that's, you know, that's how we came about. That's kind of where we're, you know, and we're going into our fourth year. My family's, we're all still gung ho and in it and, you know, and, and, uh, and it's turning into something pretty cool, pretty special. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome, man. And, um, that's, that's one thing that I love. That's kind of cool about this industry is like you were saying, like your handshake meant something and, um, it's very, um, it's, it's a cool community in this industry. I mean, I feel like, um, you know, just me starting out this podcast, like, you know, some, like when I was just starting out and some, you know, really big name guys would take time to make time for me, even though like, you know, just nobody, I'm still nobody, but I mean, you know what I'm saying? Like they would kind of make time for me. And so it's been really cool to experience that. And, um, I don't know, did you have any, you know, what were some of those challenges early on that you kind of had to work through as, as an entrepreneur, um, that were kind of, kind of felt a little scary at the time? Well, I think, I mean, recapping a little bit about, you know, having all that money on the ocean and coming over here, and, <laughs> um, you know, and then, you know, uh, in business partnerships, that was very difficult for me coming out of that situation. Um, there was a lot of things that were said that were taken care of that weren't. There was a lot of different things that created a lot of adversity for me. Mm. Um, you know, this put a lot of strain on me, my family, um, my marriage, to be honest, because, you know, I was running a, a trucking company already with, you know, five trucks, a bunch of employees. And, you know, and that was a crazy Thing that I was trying to pull off to, you know, continue to do while doing this mountain archery fest deal. And I think, you know, those challenges created opportunity um, and those opportunities uh, created friendships and, and people around me that are good at what they do. And I've surrounded myself with a great team of people. I am surely one to recognize and be humble enough to know that I don't know everything. I, I'll surely act like I do at times, but we all know we don't. And, uh, you know, but I, but surround yourself with key people that see your vision and see what you want to accomplish is, is a key focus that you should always be trying to work on because you will never achieve greatness by yourself ever. I just don't think it's possible. I mean, surely no one who's ever achieved greatness has ever stood there and said, I did this. Right. <laughs> you know, yeah. maybe God, maybe God is probably the only one that can say <laughs> it, this, right. <laughs> Here you go. Right. But outside of him, I don't think anybody can do that. So, um, you know, I think in, in those challenges, you know, those challenges created those other options, like I mentioned, that create even courses and other things that, that, that now set us apart from other shoots and from TAP or anybody else. And that's, you know, those relationships, those ideas, um, our relationships got stronger. Um, you know, like my relationship with Philip Kirsch, uh, with Kirsch targets, um, you know, and, and George Vanderhoff who helped, they are the ones that kind of helped me design this Pope and young course. I had this idea. I had this vision. I had this, 
this thing, but I wasn't sure how to achieve it, you know? And so one day I just spit it out to Philip and Philip was like, you know, that's a good idea. You know, and he's like, I'm going to think about that. You know, and then it calls me back and says, I got this guy, George, man. I think we need to talk to him. All right. So the three of us started brainstorming, you know, about some things we could do. And next thing you know, the Pope and Young course came to life, man. The 29 replicas of the world records held by Pope and Young, um, engineered and mounted on foam, you know, um, that, that would have never happened without the friendship of, you know, I had to call Philip. I had to call Philip and tell him, Philip, my partner's out. I don't have contracts with these dates. Like he said, hmm. I don't have money. Like he said, I don't this, I don't that. Like I had to be very honest and very transparent with him as yeah. a businessman. You know, this is where I'm at and this is what I'm going to do. And he was like, Whoa, you know, okay. Uh, wow. I mean, he didn't know what to say. Right. But he gave a little time and I said, man, I'll make this work. You just get those targets on the ground, man. Nice. You get them in my hands. I'll make this work some way, somehow. And we did. And yeah. he believed, it. you know, and those, those, those relationships create a lot of cool things. And, you, and when you can trust other people in business and you can do those things, you know, I was not, I wasn't real trustworthy in business at that point. There was a lot of good stuff going on. I mean, I was making things right. I was doing my very best, but people, people were, they weren't doubting my, I don't think they were doubting me or my trustfulness or, you know, or my worthiness or however you want to put that, but, you know, but, but you still got to have concern you still got to be looking at my situation and have some concern, <laughs> you know, I mean, you mean the situation of like losing your partner and just kind of having to start almost kind of from scratch on your own. Yeah. Yeah. yeah and you know, and pull some dates off the table and regroup and find new locations. I mean, it was like a complete, you know, we had to do a lot of turnaround in that position. Mm -hmm. Right. But, you know, those, there's a lot of challenges, um, you know, challenges that, or they've been different every year, man. Our first year was getting it going, right? Then it was epic snowfall. Like we got the targets, we got everything in place. I got it all going. I got some sponsors. I got it all, you know, I, I, I saved it from the nosedive, right? And then we got epic snow, had to move everything around. Then next year, boom, COVID. Then boom, still COVID. Now I can't even get targets because I can't even get stuff shipped here. You know, it's like, you know, it's all, every year has had its own battle, <laughs> you know, that everybody in the world's going through basically. Yep. I mean, I'll have some of the same issues, um, just cliche to our own little niche. That's mm -hmm. all, you know? Yeah. And that, I love what you said about that collaboration thing. Cause sometimes I feel like it's easy for entrepreneurial types, um, you know, to kind of want to do everything on your own just cause some of us have that personality of like, well, if I don't do it, it's not going to get done right. And that kind of thing. And, but I, I recognized myself very early on on this journey um, that like, man, like I'm going to need some, some, you know, some help, some mentorship, some people to work with, just the nature of what I do and, and creating films and stuff. It's like, you, you know, you can only do so much completely solo unless you're just like a freak like Remy Warren or something. But um, which even then, I mean, he, you know, he worked with Tim Burnett, you know, so um, so I, I've been really... Yeah, and, I, and I've been really blessed to link up with some really cool guys, you know, um, through this short journey I've been on. But um, tell people just a little bit, just going back a little bit, like you mentioned the Pope and Young course, but I think that's something that's kind of cool and unique to, to Mountain Archery Fest that um, you kind of glossed over, but maybe just give people a real quick explanation of what that is. So the Pope and Young course is a, is a course of 29 targets, and then the, there's a North American 29 slam. And so um, these are the world records held by Pope and Young. We recreated the antlers, the horns, and nice. they're on the course. They're on these animals. There's great storyboards to go along with this course about conservation, ethics, um, you know, record keeping, uh, the maturity of these animals, the, the status, health of these animals. I mean, there's a lot involved in that short little um, uh, instructional uh sign there next to each target mm -hmm. and so um 
you know, it's a, it's a beginner course, 52 yards or less. I mean, it's a testament to the quality of hunters. I mean, think about that. These are world record animals. These are, these are the best representations that have been um, shot by a bow and arrow that have been recorded. Now there could be bigger out there. Surely um, maybe better. That's not the point. The point is, is these animals are what we see right now as a mature specimen in the book of records for Pope and Young. Mm -hmm. This is the guy like, you know, these are, these are the studs. Um, and so the cool part about shooting this course is you get to see what that looks like in real life. Like, you know, and, and to see what a mature animal looks like and, and because there's some times people get their hopes up more than they should, or they'll say, Oh, well, I got to get this big a buck or this big. And it's like, you know, take a look around. I mean, the world records are, they're not gigantic, but they are great specimens of her yeah. animals. And so, um, so it's a really cool course, fun for the whole family. Uh, you know, it's kind of a beginner course. We usually lay that easier on the mountain to, uh, to make it just really accessible. Yeah. Um, something else that's new to us this year is the track action mobility course. Hmm. And that, um, we're creating one of the first adaptive courses that will be, um, uh, fully accessible with a track action chair through the oh, whole cool. thing, all the target all the way back through the woods. Um, you know, this is, we're going to have chairs at each location. If you don't own one, you want to try one out. You want to come check, you know, learn how to shoot out of one or something. You just got to come up, reserve a time. We have X amount of chairs, uh, for X amount of people. So you just got to get signed up for that. Um, nice. and, and do what we're doing. I mean, if you don't need a chair, then we've got an adaptive course for you to come and shoot. You know, it's just a really welcoming course that we want people to come and have fun and feel fully inclusive. Yeah. Um, you know, we don't, and not necessarily something that's just for them. I mean, this is a kid's course. It's an adaptive course. It'll even cross over to a comp, to a competitive course on Saturday. So it's like, it's not, it's not just some easy, it's not just some easy trail deal. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's kind of cool. Um, I have a chair for the whole summer, man, to go build one these with. And I can't wait to go get on these things and see what they're capable of. I mean, I see these guys trying them out and men and women who have received them and how it's changed their lives, man. Yeah. And it's as cool as could be. And so I decided with that, I'm going to give one away. Oh, cool. Give, give a chair away, all customed out, nice chair, um, a hunt to go with it. Nice. I got, I got some great people. Um, down God's country for our heroes, man. They're going to take us out in New Mexico. And uh, uh, and we got a bunch of gear to give to someone. So that'll be a cool thing we're going to launch here soon. People have to look out for it. We're going to launch it here pretty quick. Um, where you can nominate somebody. You can nominate yourself if you need it. Um, you know, you'll do a submission for that. And we'll go through and we have a whole panel. They'll go through and oversee all these entries. And bless you, sir. Excuse me. <laughs> And, uh, and then I'll be able to, and we'll whittle it down and we'll find someone to give this thing away to at the end of the summer. Nice. Man. Um, and that'd be really cool, man. I'm excited about that. Yeah, that's really cool. I think that's one of the things that, um, that I've heard that stands out about mountain archery fest is just like you're saying the inclusiveness, uh, not only to like, like this thing you're just talking about, but also to, you know, the whole family, different styles of archery, you know, trad guys, you know, then you got, um, you know, so I feel like some people are intimidated, like, oh, if I go to one of these 3D shoots, I got to be like, you know, Western hunting ready and making like 120 yard shots and stuff like that. But now there's courses for everybody, you know, um, different skill levels, different equipment, different ages and stuff like that. And so that's really cool. Um, so I do though want to dig in a little bit to kind of your personal background, because I feel like, um, you know, I don't, so for people who don't know me, myself, I am in recovery. I came from a history of addiction and just years of craziness and wild living. And so, um, and I don't, I don't know specifically about you, but I feel like you had a little bit of a, of a past, um, which is interesting for me. Cause now I know like you're a successful businessman, you got yourself together, your family, man, you know, you got, was it nine kids? Is that right? 
That's correct. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, I'd love to just hear a little bit about your personal story just uh, in life and how you came from where you were, wherever that was, and, and to where you are now, which is kind of kind of um, running a couple companies, you know, doing something that you're passionate about and, and hunting and, you know, being a family man. Uh, you know, my journey is not, not super special uh, or different than most people. Um, you know, I grew up, uh, urban Denver, uh, with parents that both worked very hard. Um, they divorced when I was six. I grew up, you know, with a dad every other weekend kind of style had, um, a couple of great stepdads, although volatile in their own sense. Um, you know, stepbrothers, stepsisters that were much older. So not a whole lot of relationship there. I was still, even though I had some of them, I was kind of an only child, mm-hmm. uh, Although when my mom married um, my last stepfather, uh, he had a couple of kids that were younger than me. Um, but again, just young enough that I didn't really hang out with them either. And uh, it was kind of like I flipped roles. And um, so anyway, you know, uh, long story short, you know, m- my family life was always kind of turbulent to some degree, um, unsettled. I wouldn't say it was bad. You know, I mean... I was always fed. I was always clothed. I mean, I always had a place to be and, you know, and I, there, no, no craziness like that. Um, you know, I, I mean, I grew up with parents that smoked and drank a lot and, you know, and, and, you know, we're very social. Um, I grew up basically in a bar, um, for the most part. And, uh, or fishing some, I mean, I was in Boy Scouts. I mean, I had a pretty, you know, diversified living. I mean, with my mom and my stepdad, you know, they had a little bit more money. And so we went fishing, we had a boat, we went and did things and camping and some things like that. And, um, my dad, you know, I mean, he lived in an apartment, you know, and, uh, so we were at every Broncos game, he had season tickets and, you know, we camped down there and, um, at the stadium and, you know, and, and he, was in bars a lot. Even my stepdad played in a dark league and a pool league. And, you know, it was just kind of the times, I think, you know, mm-hmm. really social, social stuff was in the late seventies was in early eighties was just happening in bars really, you know? Um, and so that's where I grew up and kind of lived. And so, you know, I saw a lot of crazy stuff in my life, you know, even like in the South stands, the Broncos, you know, like we'd stay there overnight and dude, it was a free for all. It was private property, <laughs> and it was like they all them campers surrounded down there. It was a, it was crazy. <laughs> um, I a lot of things and experienced a lot of stuff at a very young age, um, which just led me into just you know always needing a little bit more um, of of whatever you know. Yeah. And um, so, you know, I was pretty decent in school until I got a car, and then it was over. I mean, dude, I was. <laughs> Full on head banging, you know. I was, you know, uh, I I just was partying, man. It was it was the eighties, man. It was drugs, rock and roll, and fast cars and women, and that's all that mattered, man. It was just just full throttle everywhere, yeah. And, uh, and so, uh, you know that that run that that run went for a little while. I lost one of my best friends, you know, a couple of people died in my life they're very close to me uh and you know i lived a little bit of a hellion biker lifestyle and and a lot of things happen in that world when you're in that world and then you add mexican mafia to it and you add money and you add a lot of dope and and you just become you just start running pretty fast and loose you know and um and so you know, even married, I had a successful careers during all this stuff as a chef, like no one knew, no one knew what I did on the weekends, man. No one knew what I did in the middle of the night. No, no one had a clue. Hmm. Um, I mean, some knew me, yeah. some knew me, right. But you know, living that all, double life, man, is it, it taxes you. Oh, it's brutal, man. Um, you know, I, mean, I heard I someone really- mention one time, I was actually in a meeting one time, this old lady said, having a secret is like holding a cup of water out straight with your arm. Like it's really easy at first, but after like an hour or two, that thing starts to weigh like a thousand pounds, a couple of days and your arms falling off. 
Right. Yeah, it's good. I like it. And yeah, it's, you know, it just finally caught up to me, man. You know, I uh, finally got popped by the law a couple times, man. I got lucky a couple times. I mean, I was facing 12 years once, got out of it due to some dirty cops. Ooh. Then I was looking at another nine years later and got out of it because I honestly feel that I was ready to make a change in my life at that point. And, uh, you know, I, I hit some pretty hard lows when I was locked up that last time. And, you know, my, my life had to change at that point, right then and there. And, um, you know, I had to look to God and I had to look to my family and I had to look, you know, um, to a much higher power to help me just find some direction. Mm. Once I, I mean, I'm a, I'm a strong guy, like in the sense of I want to do it, I'll do it. You know, like I, I just needed a little direction. I needed to get cleaned up. And I just needed a little direction yeah. um, and, and just a little shove. Right. And I found those things in, in God and my family and my friend, you know, some of my friends, I had to like, <laughs> dude, I had to, I, dude, my, my circle got real small, real quick. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Um, and, 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 and it works itself out because, you know, they, they don't want to see you either because right. you're, you're in, you're in jail. Like they don't know what you said <laughs> or, are you know i mean you know so anyway long story short and that i mean you know just kind of went through those cycles and um you know i was a chef for a long time which i think is you know restaurant industry service industry is extremely abusive it's very hard clean or straight or you know it's just a crazy world to be in um so did you get did you get cleaned up while you were like in jail or did you have to go to treatment or did you kind of do it yourself or how'd that hug it down yeah i was in there long enough that it was you know i cleaned up inside and yeah were you doing meetings and stuff when you got out or did you never get into that scene i did do some um you know let's talk about that a little bit so i did some um but i'll be honest with you it was kind of funny i when i got transferred back home on interstate compact and i was and i was back here and i was on parole and whatnot and i got i had to go check in with my parole officer well i was i was already back and they had a little bit of a some change over there so i'd been back for about three months and Mm -hmm. still had a probation officer and i was already doing my volunteer work doing football volunteer work i was already doing all you know i was already integrated doing what i was doing because that's what i wanted to do i wanted to be right do what i was doing but I'll tell you, when I was in, when I was inside, it was a lot of prayer at night, a lot of reading, no meetings inside. Um, there was, that was not offered for, for us at that point. I was mm-hmm. in an eight block. I wasn't allowed that opportunity. Um, you know, they put me in with murders and rapists and everything wow. for, you know, the first days and didn't touch me. They wanted to, they were evaluating me. Um, and then, you know, when I hit my second 30, you know, things started, got, got a little bit better and a little bit looser to some degree, but um, but I still wasn't allowed out. Like there was no, I wasn't in a position yet within my, my stay to be allowed to do those things. So I just had night sweats and took care of myself and, um, you know, and it was, it was rough. It was what it was. And, um, you know, and then when I came out, when I, when I ended up getting out of there, I just checked myself into an outpatient program just to keep myself on the right. Mm-hmm. Um, but I can tell you a funny story about my meeting my PO officer the first time and we're still friends today. We're still friends. Today. <laughs> That's funny. So I go walk into his office and he's like, he's all trying to pull a fast one on me. Basically he's saying, you know, Oh, you know, I don't know about this whole marijuana thing. I think the rules are too strict. I think this, I think that, you know, and I, all this stuff and blah, blah, blah. And he's, you know, and I'm just looking at him like, who are you to be telling me this shit, man? I mean, I was getting mad. Like I got mad. I was like, this is why you're my probation officer. I don't need you to be my probation or my parole officer. I need someone like this kind of, that's on my side here. Right. Like someone highway. Like I want to quit. I'm walking away. I want nothing to do with it. I'm out. You know, like I, there's no gray area here for me. Right. And I stood, walked out of his office. I told him, I said, you know what? I don't think you're fit to be a probation officer. Wow. I don't think, you can be my probation officer at any, at least. So you guys better find me a new probation officer. And I walked out and walked out the office and walked into the alley and cops came and got me and brought me back in. And he sat me down, looked at me and he said, good job. 
you pass. <laughs> wow. <laughs> I mean, I lost my, I was mad. I was like, you're an asshole. I said, that's bullshit. I said, this is how we're going to start our relationship. I mean, I was really mad. And, um, and that is how we started our relationship. And we, and we had a great relationship because, um, you know, because that, and so, so to fast forward a little bit, I'll be honest with you, Hunter, when I went to meetings, I would leave meetings worse than when I went in. Yeah. I would be out there thinking to myself, you know, these people are in there and they poor woezy me, man. Like no one in there was stepping up and saying, I did this and I'm facing it and I'm going to do this and I'm going to change my life and I'm not looking back. And I'm, you know, it's every time I went in there, oh, oh, it was just like, yeah. Oh, Lord, I had to get out of there. I couldn't stay. And so I went back to my parole officer and I said, dude, I'll do anything. I'll do anything but go back to NA or AA meetings Yeah. because it doesn't work for me. Now, I am fully support people who want to go. I've hauled people in. I've taken some of my best friends in. I, I, trust me, I'll, I'll dump them on the doorstep of a meeting in a heartbeat. Yeah. But me, I couldn't handle it. Like, it was depressing to me. Yeah. Like, like it made me start thinking, like, yeah. I'm – I'm depressed. Like I'm, I'm in this cycle. I can't get out. I can't, yeah. you know, and so, some of those meetings are like that. And so I, I did a lot of meetings at first. I don't do meetings anymore. Um, but it was, it was good for me in the beginning. Like you said, some people like my grandmother, she was an AA, she was an AA, you know, she was sober 40, 50 years or something and was very active in AA. Um, I did both. I think, NA for me was a little bit more kind of like you're talking about a little more pity party. I felt a little more positivity and spirituality in AA personally, but, um, yeah, so not knocking it for people. I think it's a great place to start, but, uh, yeah, I don't go to them anymore, but anyway, I think some of the biggest tools for me was, um, you know, really, you know, I had to learn who I was again. I mean, I'd been for 15 16 years i mean from 14 15 years old till 30 years old i i i didn't know how to deal with the world i didn't know how to do crap yeah you're just Other constantly than, medicating and yeah. piling you know, numbing yourself and so i had to figure out a lot of that and so i think you know actually going in and working with a coach or uh you know or you know a therapist or somebody you can talk to a little bit someone with some direction someone just kind of like you for know, sure just to speak out to, you know, that has no skin in the game is, uh, is probably what did me the best. Um, and then just having a solid, solid, you know, support system, you know, and then, you know, my wife and, um, you know, and then as we integrated into having to mind yours, ours and theirs family, mm-hmm. you know, um, I mean, it was all meant to be, you know, when I was in jail, I had an Indian, he got rolled up in the middle of the night and I had this Indian, he walked around and gave everybody commissary and then he walked by me and he didn't give me nothing. Hmm. He gave everybody in that pod something but me. But he walked up to me and he said, you're going to, you're going to, you're going to grow to be a leader of men. You're going to grow to be, um, you know, uh, a great businessman and a leader in your community and a great father. Dude, when he whispered that in my ear, I thought, you're crazy, bro. I got nine years. I got nine years. I'm, I'm going to prison for nine years. Dang, none I didn't know of, that was, that's how long your sentence was. I didn't catch that. None of what you just said to me is going to happen. Okay. It's not. And, uh, I went to trial and I was given three years parole, no years in. Uh, I was given all sorts of opportunity and, you know, it was nine years after that, that I was sitting at, out here in my pasture and, um, and I'm listening to my kids play on the trampoline and raising hell, <laughs> you know, and I got trucks coming back in from working, you know, and I'm hiring not perfect men. I'm hiring men because they want to be there because, you know, I have something to offer, I think, you know, and. And then I'm, you know, I'm coaching, you know, I'm helping coach. And, you know, I felt like in that moment that that angel was right. Yeah, man. Yeah. He had like a prophetic word for you. Yeah. You know, and so, you know, and here I sit, 
you know, um, just a humble man that just wants to be the best he can be each day, you know, and I just want to provide smiles for people. And I want to do that creatively through archery. And, um, you know, I'm blessed with my children. They're all great. Uh, you know, I've adopted a couple, my oldest and youngest are adopted. Um, you know, and I, and I, I just can't tell you, man, you know, that he was right. That's awesome, man. And how, (laughs) yeah. yeah. And how cool is that when, when someone speaks into your life like that and, and I'm sure now you've had opportunities to speak in other people's life like that. And, um, you know, I've heard, I've heard it said before that like prophecy is, is when you, um, call things that be not as though they are. And so, um, you know, it's kind of like seeing the best in someone, seeing what they could be, seeing what God sees in them and calling that out like that guy did for you really like, and, and he was on point, you know, and even if it doesn't look like that at the time, like no matter how dark your situation can be, man, it's like, um, if you, if you get on the right path and, and you get God on, and you get on, you know, get God on your side and have that support, you can make it. Yeah. Yeah. You can do anything, man. And I think that, you know, there's just a lot of, um, a lot to be said for, um, forgiving yourself and realizing that, you know, that all of your quirks and, and inadequacies are your strengths. Mm. Period. Yeah. Sooner, I'm telling you, the more I learn this and the more I, the more it works for me, the more I have to say it, that it's just one of those things where you really got to pay attention to those things because, you know, a lot of people told me all my life, I talk too much. People told me all my life that, that that I'm loud. You know, people told me all my life that I, you know, I got, you know, too much go sometimes, you know, and, uh, and people think I'm kind of quirky and weird. Cause I mean, I just, I think of weird things. I'm a Pisces. I'm real creative. I'm just, I'm very open-minded, you know? And so I just got a lot of weirdness wrapped up in this whole thing here. <laughs> <laughs> kind of shit show if you will but um but what i can tell you is is that um you know i love being in front of people i love using my creativity now like i used to as a chef now i do it in creating courses and creating new ideas and doing Mm. some different things and um and i love empowering my crew around me i love empowering my children i love failing in front of them i love succeeding in front of them um i love how they react um when I, when both happened to me, um, you know, and, uh, and I just really happy that I was given that opportunity at one point, right. To, you know, to make that change, you know, Mm -hmm. and that's, you know, those things come across your plate every now and then, and you gotta be, you gotta be aware, you gotta be, you know, and, and sometimes like you say, it's serendipity timing, whatever, you know, some of those things, you know, it all means something, it all has energy, it all connects in this, in this world, in this universe. And, you know, and I just really think that, um, and I feel, I think and feel very strongly about, you know, people staying in their lane and doing what's right for them, you know, but don't hurt yourself and don't hurt people around you, you know, while you're in the process, you know? Yeah. And, and look, and our past all means something. But I think the biggest thing to remember about past is, is that, you know, your past can still be a part of your life Mm -hmm. as long as you don't let it control the moment you're in Mm. and where you want to go. For sure. Past is affecting your moment and where you're heading. Then, you know, then you really got to question those situations. What, what is, what is, you know? Um, And for me, I just, you know, it's easy. Yeah. I think, when you can accept yourself, then you begin to be more, um, of an open book. You know, you, you begin to be more transparent and a little bit more, um, giving, but at the same time, a little bit more firm, mm. if you will. Yeah. Rude. People say you are sometimes it's like, well, no, I'm just at that point where I, what are you saying? Like, I don't what stand your ground. Dang. I'm just going to tell you that right now. Like I just, uh, I almost have no censorship anymore, you know? <laughs> yeah. Um, I wonder what I'm going to be like until, you know, when I'm actually an old man. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it's funny. Um, yeah. I love what you said about, you know, 
looking at your quirks and maybe your quote unquote inadequacies as assets. And I have those, those thoughts a lot. Cause you know, uh, I'm kind of, you know, I'm pretty new to this like world of like Western hunting. So I've been hunting my whole life, but you know, Western hunting is, is a different game. And you know, a lot of times I might start to get down on myself like, Oh, you know, who am I? I don't know anything. But like, then I'm like, no, 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 this is, this is good. Like I can learn in real time. People can learn with me. I can, you know, approach things from out of the box that maybe, you know, guys born out West don't think about. Um, I just try to look at all those things as an asset and not, and not a, a liability. Um, and I also love what you said about, you know, creativity because creativity is such a huge part of being an entrepreneur, you know, that figuring out how to solve problems in a creative way and, and, and different things like that. And I feel like people may not look at it that way, but, um, I like to just t- tie this back into kind of archery and hunting in the outdoors. Like how was, um, how was archery and or hunting, um, part of, part of your story and maybe coming full circle in your life and, um, and kind of actualizing as some people might say. So it's a huge shift for me. Um, you know, even though I got clean and, and whatnot, I mean, I still owned a few Harleys. I still ripped around, you know, uh, I mean, I used to tell people that the only time the world turned off was when I was riding my Harley or riding my wife. <laughs> Pretty much when you, when you're a creative mind and you in, in an entrepreneur and business minded, big braining, it never turns off. It's true. Uh, it, it's a blessing and a curse. Um, mm. but, uh, yeah, I have like you know, endless notes in my phone or I'm like laying there bed in bed at like 11 o'clock. I'm like, Oh, and I wake up and just like do this thing and like create this. <laughs> like. I can't do that. If I give any energy to even putting that note in my phone, then it's like I'm ready to write a paper. <laughs> I luckily so, can write that note and then like forget it and yeah, go to sleep. But I can't go back to sleep. That's the problem. Um, but I think that uh, uh, I think coming out of that space and always wanting to turn triple digits on a Harley all the time was not a real safe place for me to be mm-hmm. and so um i had a friend i had you know we bought this property uh where i live now and we had some amazing bucks here and um no one was here for a long time the place sat for quite a while um so they kind of took over well i had a guy who i knew at the barbershop who i'd known most of my life i'd known of him this and that and he drew this unit well this unit's only like 10 percent public like it's mm. the sucky unit to get Let's just say, if you don't know what you're up to. Yeah. Uh, and so he ended up getting in. He was in boat. He was in Bodo trying to hunt. He did nothing, nothing, nothing. I said, dude, I got deer in my house. Come on. So he came out and shot a slammer. And then he's like, hey, you ever shoot a bow? I'm like, yeah, back in Boy Scouts, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, so anyway, he gets his bow out, and I grabbed that thing. And, man, it was fit me perfect. Man, I started shooting that thing. And, like, in the beginning, I'm, like, totally listening to Thomas, you know, what he's saying to me. And and everything and and then pretty soon like he's talking and i'm just he's gone like i'm just <laughs> shooting that bow man like he's talking and i don't hear nothing just in and the I, zone and i was like i remember just looking at him and going wow that was cool like i got there like i i got away hmm. there way, whatever you want to call it right i i i was in a place like I described before where the world, the world just shut off. And yeah. I just, holy crap, like a flow state. Like I was like, the world just shut off and I was just totally in the zone. And Thomas was over there. Blah, 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 blah. I was <laughs> focusing on that pin, man. I was pushing and pulling. Like I was all in it and that was it. That was it, man. From there, I bought a bow the next week, bought a new bow in a month, another new bow in a month. Another new, <laughs> and I was just, I was buying used bows, you know, I was just I was right. kind of way up, you know, I wasn't going out and buying a brand new flagship bow right out of the gate. You know, sure. I, mean, I bought a couple of cheesy bows and you no, know, whatever beginner bows. I shouldn't call them cheesy. They're just what they were yeah. for me. Um, but, and I just got after it, man. And I, and then I just, and next thing I knew I started meeting all these people and all, and man, I had this whole new friends, right. I had this whole new group. I had this whole new commitment to doing something really cool. And then I decided I was going to go hunting. 
Mm. And that's when I realized that the old vessel wasn't as strong as the mind. <laughs> I got myself in a real bad spot on a mountain. Ooh. Barely got my own self out without making the call. And that's when I found trained to hunt. That's when I, you know, all that. And that's when I just, man, I got myself back in shape. I mean, I was just, you know, I was a chef for a long time and then a trucker. You know, when I got cleaned up, I became a trucker and local trucker. And so I just got heavy, man. I just riding around circles. And, yeah. uh, and so, man, I can tell you that what, what bow hunting and what, what Thomas did to me that day, um, was awesome. Life changing. I mean, life changing. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, uh, it's, it's so, I mean, I think, I feel like if someone were to come to this, that were a non hunter and be like, I feel like on the surface level, they might be like really amazed by like, like, why are you guys so into hunting? Like, cause they have their own perceptions of what hunting is based on like Hollywood or whatever. But like when you're doing something that's tapping into something, that's such an ancient, like primal thing, like part of your DNA as a human, as a man. Um, and then also you're tying in a reason to get out there and to get in shape and spend time in green spaces and get sunlight and fresh air and just, you know, friendship, fun, all this like stacking benefits that just, um, most people don't get to experience on that level. Um, it's, it's, it's really is a life changing thing. Yeah. I mean, I think that, I think to myself, there's still people in this world that have never been out of a concrete jungle. Like they've yeah. never, they've never ever put their feet in like original dirt. I mean, maybe yeah. trans dirt or potting soil or something like that but not like dirt that's been there for ever <laughs> yeah. right you know like you know what i mean yeah and so yeah i mean it blows me away to think that hunter you know i mean it's crazy um but you know if people would give some of that some space in their life and 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 connect again it would be a much different reality in this world i think for sure so in the meta, they're not connected anymore to what has given them their source of life to begin with. And that's very unfortunate. Totally. Totally. Um, well, that's, that's cool, man. Like I love hearing that and coming full circle with, with how, uh, you know, hunting it started out with archery, I guess is really what kind of got yeah. you into the hunting world. And, um, and now you're doing mountain archery fest and, um, that's awesome, man. So, um, I real quick, I got to ask, I see the initial, uh, initial ascent sweatshirt. So I just did a podcast with Joe and Dennis the other day. Are you rocking one of their packs? Oh yeah, dude. I, um, uh, I, uh, I'm one of their originals. Nice. I was, dude, I was their first podcast. Oh, um, nice. Wilderness attitude was their very first one. Um, nice. and, uh, we've been, we were, we've been brothers ever since. Um, oh, cool. they are, they are my friends and my brothers first and then they're my business partner second oh, okay. um, because um i mean i don't own any part of it we're business partners because we help each other nice we we, we rise all tides in this family and um and dennis and his family and joe and his his family man there's no two better men that i've met in this industry than those than that pair right there I yeah, mean, they are. They're great dudes. Uh, yeah. I got a chance to meet them at the expo and then we kind of linked up and, and got along and, um, and, uh, then, yeah, like I said, I did a podcast with them the other day, which isn't released yet, but will be soon. And, um, yeah, they're sending me a pack out to try out. So hopefully I'm going to get it before bear season so I can give it a shot. Cause I tried on their frame at the expo and I was like blown away by how that thing carried weight. And so, um, Anyway, they're gonna send me one. Hopefully, I get it before bear season. I'm gonna do a review on it and um, and talk about it a little bit. But those, yeah, they're awesome dudes. Yeah, I can tell you that um, I uh, I own four of them. I think. Okay. Uh, yeah. Anybody that hunts with me pretty much uses one because <laughs> they all everybody loves them. You know, yeah. and I can I got different waist belts and different stuff. I mean, I've always had a pack that I've always been, it's a loner pack. I've sold tons of packs for them because, you know, I got friends around here. They're like, you know, I want to try one. I'm like, well, here you go. What size are you? Here's yeah. your belt deal here. I'll set it up for you. I'll get you set in it. Now go use it. And nine out of 10 people buy one if they use it. 
Yeah. You know? Yeah. As soon as I tried that thing on and I thought they asked me what it was and I thought it was 35 pounds and then it turns out it was 65. I was like, okay, this is legit. <laughs> yeah, no, it's, it's, it's a good ride, man. It rides you like a Cadillac. Yeah. Uh, I think so, it's a good, it's the best pack. I, I, I'm known as a pack core <laughs> and I can tell you that, uh, I is the best pack I've ever had in my life and I'll never, there's nothing I've, and I always try new stuff and I tell yeah. Dennis, I always try new things, but I, I love their pack. It's all I wear. Yeah. I'm looking forward to getting my hands and trying one, but, um, Anyway, man, um, I'm going to let you go. Before I do, tell folks where they can find out more about Mountain Archery Fest and y'all's dates and get signed up for an event. Yeah, I mean, quickest place to find us is on the IG, man, Mountain Archery Fest. Pretty simple, straightforward right there. Um, you can always check us out at our website, mountainarcherifest.com. Um, that's the best go there to register. All the sites are there. We have five locations this year, starting Memorial Weekend and ending July 22nd to the 24th. Um, we got two in Montana, one in Colorado, one in Wyoming. Um, did I say Colorado? I think yeah. so, yeah. Colorado, Colorado to Utah, Wyoming, Montana. There you go. And coming and, soon to the East Coast. Yeah, soon. <laughs> yeah, dude, it's, it's really cool. I'm excited about it. And, yeah. uh, you know, we're on Facebook as well. Uh, if you care to follow me, you can follow me at Brandon Waddell underscore, you know, um, you can get a little bit more on my personal side, more of my cool. business founder, CEO side, not just all math work. Yeah. Um, things, um, that I'm working on. So I appreciate you having me on man and letting people hear my story and hear about math and for sure. I appreciate everything. You know, I can, all I can tell you is that that founder series we did with, with Heather Kelly was awesome. I enjoyed yeah. it. Um, to the fullest, I the relationships and, and the opportunities that have come from that are tenfold. Uh, so, you know, if anybody is interested in that, should look into that because it's totally. changed a lot of lives, bro. Right? You know that. And so, just a huge shout, out, Heather, because we wouldn't up without that. And mm -hmm. I appreciate you having me on. And, as usual, I look forward to seeing you again soon on the mountain this time, I hope. Yeah, man, for sure. I appreciate your time, and thanks for joining me and sharing a little bit about your story. And, yeah, definitely hope I can uh, see you at a mountain archery fest soon or some other event. So thanks again, man. Well, we'll get you up on the mountain. Just let me know what dates work for you. Okay, cool. Sounds good. Right on. Thank you, sir. Right. Yeah, man. <laughs>